last week full of very interesting things. One of them, of course, we know the discovery of the space-time ripple. Shobindo speaks about it, ripple on time seas. Brahman extending itself becomes space. And Brahman in its mobility becomes time. Shobindo has spoken about it. And again, referring to a common reality behind in his poem Parabrahman, Shobindo says, both time and timelessness sink in that sea. Time becomes a wave, space a wandering drop. So there is a common matrix from which they arise. And to have reached that point where, thanks to black holes colliding, to discover that there is a common reality, a common matrix from which space and time both emerge. It's a, it has tremendous potentials and I only hope that um, man being what he is, doesn't misuse it to create the real Brahmastra. So far we have had only atom bombs and hydrogen bombs which look like they are more like Agne Astra of ancient times. But this has the potential to create weapons which can possibly even be truly of mass extinction. So let's hope it's used for good things and not for dangerous things. The other news is sad news which of course will also alter the um, ecological balance is the death of one lakh over one lakh penguins in Antarctica. So it's a uh, it's a very massive disaster, catastrophe of great proportions, uh, because penguins, like seals and um, uh, dolphins, are very conscious creatures. The mother has spoken about them. So they are not just uh, other mammals. They are mammals, of course, but they are very conscious. So, um, uh, it will have repercussions. We have to wait and watch what kind of repercussions. But over 1 lakh is quite a huge amount, number. Uh, and it was in a tragic way because there was a huge iceberg which collided and they had to run about 60 kilometers for food. And they died, partly sheer exhaustion, partly competition, less food available, almost like a famine in the penguin world. We don't normally bother about what's happening beyond our mohalla, but it's it's a sad event. Of course, in our mohalla, also very interesting things happening. Uh, in the Vedas, there is a sp- uh, talk about four kinds of asuras. Of course, mother has also spoken about it. One of them is Vala. Now, Vala, what does he do? He wears a shining armor and he covers the truth with semblances of truth. This is the most deceptive form of falsehood. There is a form of falsehood which openly opposes truth and it's easy to detect or easy enough to detect. But when falsehood wears the garb of truth, it is very dangerous. So in our very prestigious university, we saw in uprising, under the garb of things which are truly sacred, which humanity must preserve, and that garb was freedom of expression, um, right to dissent, right to speech, Right to association. These are very, very precious things for humanity. Shurabindu has spoken about them. And this garb was used to um, for activities which are of the most dangerous nature, which will disintegrate the very foundation of life, which is basically the role that India has to play. Uh, Extremely divisive and disintegrative forces, which suddenly came to light. Thanks to all this, uh, today also because of the media, these forces came to light. And they were wearing very neat garbs to distract the whole debate uh, that's academics, it's about 
freedom of expression it's about right to free speech right to association which must be there nobody has a right to take away these fundamental things freedom is a basic need of human being and shobinda has spoken very very strongly about right to free speech about right to association about free press all this he has spoken at great length but this is not the issue at all these have been garbs and that's the most dangerous kind of falsehood because it's pretentious it pretends to be truth but most people are able to see through it through the dangerous game of disintegrating india which was going on under these garbs only the response perhaps has not been measured one one has to shobinder has also given the remedy he has said how to deal with these things whenever disunity division threatens a group life what is the way to go about and he gives a very interesting yogic solution he doesn't use the word yoga but it's exactly yogic solution it's like when one observes a dark spot within oneself uh, instead of fighting with it just grow into the light and then slowly it either fades away or is expunged out so shubhendra says that many people are afraid that when there is dissension it is dangerous because it may threaten a community but he says if you really practice good governance if you really focus on development if citizens feel safe secure they feel that really their needs are looked after then despite all these voices the kingdom will be secure and eventually these things will fade away and vanish it's ab- absolutely consistent with the rajyogic method perhaps one has to grow into experience to practice it uh, or perhaps a more surgical excision rather than a, a carpet bombing <laughs> is what is needed in such situations be that as it may because it's still a developing story and we'll know over weeks what really came out of it but one thing has come out and that is the action of truth which is uncovering various garbs under which falsehood hides so that has been very very obvious last week we spoke about uh, how different is the divine vision the supramental standpoint so to say with reference to netaji subhash chandra bos that how ordinary humanity would see it with the mask of idealism we have a problem that we have many masks inbuilt in our system and more that we gather through the education process and it's so difficult to get rid of them and these masks start from parentage culture customs traditions ideas idealisms sentimentality passions vital interests desires egoisms in short all these mask condition our responses and understanding to look at things as they are is very very difficult and shubhendra uses the word spiritual realism he says in yoga one must have a certain degree of what i call a spiritual realism that means to see things just as they are without coloring them either with our biases or the biases of uh, collectivity so i just thought we take out some of you know carry on further this theme the supramental standpoint now one of the common for instance we mix up things uh, and shirbinder speaks about vice and virtue vice and virtue have nothing to do with darkness or light truth and falsehood we commonly mistake the two we think if a person is wicked he is uh, false uh, whereas we think that if a person is virtuous he is the paragon of truth it's a very different thing the spiritual man rises above vice and virtue he does not rise above truth and light 
unless you mean by truth and light human truth and mental light they have to be transcended just as virtue and vice have to be transcended then he says something very interesting very often we believe that a virtuous man who is doing all his duties is really a very spiritual person he's already finished his karma yoga and many people live under this illusion that look i am a very good person doing all the good things in the world so i am already practicing karma yoga i don't need to read the gita here are shivinder's words are you in a position to make a judgment as to what will or will not help god's work you seem to have very elementary ideas in these matters elementary what is your idea of divinization to be a virtuous man a good husband son father a good citizen etc and then shubhendu comes up with this characteristic sense of humor in that case i myself am most undivine for i have never been these things men like x or y would then be great transformed divine men shubhendu several places speaks about it at one place when the ladies in the ashram would start calling him fatherly like a father shubhendu says jokingly abba great heavens <laughs> i i dread it but if it comforts it's okay <laughs> so he eventually gave in but he was not comfortable with this fathering and then he says um, i refuse to be domesticated at one place he says i am i am not someone who is comfortable being domesticated so you know if you if we take these yardsticks that a person who is a very virtuous man a good husband a good son an ideal father is a spiritual man will be mistaken then very interesting many sinners are people who are preparing to turn to the divine this we know but then he adds and many virtuous people have a long run of lives yet to go go through before they will think of it so on one side there are many sinners who are just exhausting things and like paul of saul of tarsius rechristened as saint paul or angulimal or ratnakar they are just round the corner they cross the bend are and our own siddharth he was not a sinner of course but completely indulging in material life on the other hand there are many virtuous men who have many lives to go even before they think of turning towards spiritual things morality is a question of man's mind and vital it belongs to a lower plane of consciousness a spiritual life cannot be founded on a moral basis it must be founded on a spiritual basis and then he clarifies lest we give justification for all kinds of things this does not mean that the spiritual man must be immoral as if there were no other law of conduct than the moral says there is immoral there is moral and there is something beyond the law of action of the spiritual consciousness is higher not lower than the moral it is founded on union with the divine and living in the divine consciousness and its action is founded on obedience to the divine will this is shurbindo in some of his letters and aphorisms now much later the mother would say after a famous experience she had about the supramental boat so this was i think 1958 
she had this experience of the supramental boat and there she says that after that experience many of my standpoints changed there was a change it was like it completes supramental reversal of consciousness if one may use the word so satprem asked her in 1962 he raises this question on the experience of the supramental ship that how has your standpoint changed what is this new standpoint now we see how mother and shobindo so beautifully similar thing but in a very interesting way mother says because i followed the thread i put myself back in contact with the experience of the supramental ship and i noticed that it had a decisive effect on my position the required conditions were established quite early and definitively by that experience so what are the required conditions for the supramental life once and for all it has swept away all these notions not merely ordinary moral notions but everything people here in india consider necessary for the spiritual life she says it has swept away all these notions in that respect it was very instructive and first and foremost this so called ascetic purity this idea of sanyasin who rejects things rejects life rejects sensations rejects anything that is uh, even remotely pleasant sometimes goes to the ex- extent of embracing pain sleeping on a bed of nails suffering oneself so those things ascetic purely purity is merely the rejection of all vital movements instead of taking these movements and turning them towards the divine instead of seeing that is the supreme presence in them and so letting the supreme deal with them freely he is told laughing who is told supreme is told he is told mother laughs no it's none of your business you have no say in it <laughs> so we tell the supreme no 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 this i know i have read it in third grade in the moral science class and i am still stuck there in the third grade moral science class this we don't admit <laughs> so you have no business in this i know i am going to reject these things and that's it as for the physical it's an old and well known story ascetics have always rejected it but they also reject the vital and they are all like that here now mother is speaking of the ashram context they are all like that here even x may have changed somewhat by now but at the beginning he was no different either so she is talking about some really one of the foremost sadhak that little bit he has changed <laughs> we know how somebody went and complained to the mother when accidentally or designed whatever we may say during the thursday meditation or sunday meditation suddenly by mistake or divine design a song was put which was french song adieu to uh, the the ladies were saying adieu to the soldiers <laughs> so some people complained to the mother this is a meditation it should be like nice things how can this song which is part romantic part you know how can this be put for meditation so mother heard and said why it's a beautiful song i don't see anything wrong with it it's a very inspiring song <laughs> at another place time when the movie blue lagoon was shown and she said it was a very nice movie i did i didn't find anything obscene in it 
It's a very different standpoint. It's a very vast consciousness. We see it in, in ancient Indian thought, this kind of vastness, which over a period of time we have lost because, oh, of course, we have lost many things, this one of them, which will be, of course, reclaimed. Well, all that has been completely swept away once and for all. But then she also reminds, just as Sri reminds us, it doesn't mean we become immoral. This doesn't mean that what's being asked of us is easier. It's probably far more difficult. In fact, it's much easier to live by certain principles and follow them scrupulously. Much, much easier to get up at a fixed time, eat food of a certain kind at a fixed time, to follow certain norms, mostly under societal pressure or fear of hell or whatever else, or under sense of self-righteousness. But far more difficult to remain supple and plastic to the divine will. I mentioned the principal psychological movement requirement in my answer to that American, a state of perfect equality, this is an absolute condition. So first condition she says is, what is needed is none of these things, but a state of equality. If one is required to live in the barest or bare conditions as an ascetic, fine. If one is required to live in a palace, fine. If one is given uh, as Mira puts very beautifully that motian mang jadawa. If you give me pearls, I would put them in my hairs as braids. Why not? They are your gifts. Kaho chitkara case. But you don't give anything, just a rubber band, I am fine with it. I'll just put it on my hairs and I'll be happy. I, I mean, she didn't mean rubber bands, of course, they were probably not invented. But chitkara case, just like Kali, I would just you know, keep my hairs open because there is nothing to really hold them together. So in both conditions. So I can sleep on the floor if that be your demand or I can sleep in the palaces if that be your command. So this is a state of one kind of equanimity. And then over and above this for the realization to be total, there are two other conditions which aren't easy either. So these are things which mother is telling us the direction we have to move, what we have to really practice, not practice asceticism and ascetic purity. That is a meaningless thing. It will just bloat up the ego and may be good for traditional yoga of a certain kind, for nirvana, but not for a transformational yoga. Something else is required here, far more difficult. The mother is saying, like she says, it's very easy to fast for one day or to give up one meal, but far more difficult to eat every meal, but in a measured way. Very difficult because one wants to indulge. <laughs> but very easy to miss out one meal and then indulge. Like, you know, we used to have fastings in Indian homes, at least in my home. It was the best day when there was Krishna Janmashtami because everybody kept hungry till night. Of course, not children. And what food we were going to get, our eye was on that. Those nice, you know, singhadeka, atta, you know, is rare, rare kinds of. Puris, what is called a skutu. I don't have English equivalents for them, but it was uska halwa. You know, it's it's like wonderful. So we were waiting for waiting for Krishna to be born, not for Kansa's death, but for the nice food which is being prepared. Now that is hardly called fasting. <laughs> so you know, your eyes on the laddu laddu which will be offered to Lord Ganesha. So. So she says, these are, uh, there are two conditions which are required. The power to expand, to widen almost indefinitely. Not only, she says, psychologically, but physically also. 
physically she says mother would get those experiences where she would feel her head is going to burst because the cells were expanding and she had to cut off the experience cut off from the moment she would cut off from people th- that consciousness would be so tremendous that she would feel that her head and body is going to burst at one time she went to shirbindu and said i feel funny sensation all my cells are disintegrating and shirbindu said not yet and everything came together of course this was a boon of shiva uh, to disintegrate so she speaks about indefinite capacity to expand to be able to change to widen almost indefinitely enabling enabling you to widen to the dimensions of the supramental consciousness which is total so life offers many opportunity to widen uh, simple things like conflict at home or in with colleagues and groups so these are simple thing ways divine make sure that we we have to widen that's why in ashram life we have no other choice but to widen because you can't change your head of department you can't change even your departments easily so you you have all kinds of people you have to stay with and everyone has to widen because without widening you can't sustain and remain happy you can remain but you'll be very unhappy which beats the purpose but if we widen then we can grow so this is one of the things widening she says and the second she says is plasticity there should simultaneously be a total plasticity enabling one to follow the supreme in his becoming so we look that in we find that in shurbindo on uh, one side he speaks of one thing at a certain point and later on it totally different things and people who read these two like we said last time subhash bose saw only one side of shurbindo's writings and ended up calling him a leftist whereas there are others who take the other view and say shurbindo is the real right wing nationalist and then there are others who appropriate him no he is a centrist actually he is none of these shubindo is a totality so depending on the need of the hour the situation he could take this position or that position or another position be beyond all positions so this is how the plasticity is needed in nature which is the opposite of rigidity then she goes on that how all this is happening and how things are changing another very interesting thing about the supramental change or the transformation there was the old division made by the mind above things are very fine you may have all experiences and everything is luminous and marvelous here nothing doing so in ancient yoga one is very happy with inner experiences there is so much talk about oh what do you experience ah i see light i hear sounds i see this i had this vision all right very fine it doesn't make a jot of difference to the external being so this was one kind of approach very important for enriching the consciousness but that's not what transformation is about it may be a preparatory movement it is usually because these experiences are bound to come but so if one gets attached to these experiences or starts thinking that oh i am someone great special because i am having these experiences or starts comparing notes enters into a field of what shurbindo says yoga is not a field of spiritual competition but many time we take it like that oh so and so is having this experience i am not having it it's not a race each one is having a different kind of experience and it is good 
because then the divine also enjoys differently in different persons he would get very bored if everybody has the same experiences even the same experience will come in a different way slightly different way because he enjoys in his creatures it is his joy he gives the experience and he enjoys with us so there is a beauty in having different experiences and there are no comparisons here it also doesn't mean that somebody with more ex- inner experiences is more evolved these are all our mental notions this tremendous change is what's being conquered so physical life may be ruled by the higher consciousness and not by the mental world it's the change of authority it's difficult it's hard it's painful all that has become that explains by the way why all those who did not foresee the possibility of things being otherwise had said better get out of here and then because the moment they came back to the body they found it a hopeless world the moment you come back from your inner experience then you have the person in front of you whom you don't like so all the inner experiences which are so beautiful melt away and vaporize because right in your front <laughs> there is someone or something which you don't want to see but that's where the rub lies and shrivindo is uh, mother is reminding us so they used to say better get out of here all that has become so clear but this change the fact that it's no longer inescapable that is the great victory you feel and see and the body itself is experienced the possibility that soon here too things will be truer there is really something changed in the world these are the consequences that we are seeing world over some of which we were speaking at the beginning naturally for things to be truly established it's going to take time that's the battle going on from every side on every plane there is an onslaught of things coming to say outwardly nothing has changed but it's not true it's our vision that has not changed not things have not changed our eyes have not changed they have they are the same cataract it's not true the body knows it's not true and now it knows it knows in what sense all the experiences others had had of making contact with the higher worlds used to leave the physical here as it is we see this in the life of great ones everything is very fine but it when it comes to matter to the physical there are some of course exceptions examples one of them of course being about tailanga swami who used to see grace light and when mother was asked about this vision is it true mother said yes he is truly in contact with the grace light and she speaks about what this grace light is and how it has different colors when it expresses itself on matter then in the vital world she speaks about it now this swami ji interestingly at some point began to believe he was very nearby i'm forgetting the place i don't know much about him but i have there are quite a few followers of his who had turned towards shurbindo because he is supposed to have suddenly disappeared his body had suddenly disappeared as if absorbed into the light so maybe next time i should get the full story because it shouldn't be like an unauthentic story but this is what i have heard ramalingam that's that's right telanga swami used to walk on water that's a different kind of siddhi nothing to do with transformation but yeah kadalo nearby very nearby place but maybe you know we'll talk about that later but there were few but by and large it was that this cannot change 
Of course, some Vedic rishis also envisaged this. When Shubhendu was asked, he said, "Yes, they saw the possibility, but eventually they knew the time is not there, and they used the door to escape eventually into the super mind. But at least they wanted the mind to be illumined with a greater light. The Gayatri mantra we see is poor part of that gift." Or Rishi Dadiji's story. But when one came back into this body, it was those formidable old laws of the mind that ruled everything. So then, all these years have been years spent preparing and preparing, freeing oneself and preparing. And these last few days, it was ah, the body physically noting that things had changed. It has to be worked out, as they say. realized in every detail but the change is done the change is done she repeats it so there is something fundamentally which has changed which means that the material conditions which were elaborated by the mind fixed by it and which appeared so inescapable to such a point that those who had a living experience of the higher worlds thought one had to flee this world abandon this material world if one really wanted to live in the truth that's the cause of all these theories and beliefs now things are no longer like that now things are no longer like that the physical is capable of receiving the higher light the truth the true consciousness and of manifesting it so this is the big change that unlike earlier the physical is capable even when it goes into a loop of disorder it can receive it and quickly change things so mother speaks about it that there are several stages of contact with the higher consciousness that the body can make one is when something is going to come and it's prevented it's just avoided because of the higher consciousness coming in touch with the body the illness is removed even before it touches the body the second is where it touches the body but it has a very short course it doesn't take what could have taken a long time got into complications is resolved in a very short period and very quickly the third is where it takes a long period but there are no complications because this higher light this higher truth is touching the body and the body has become receptive to an extent to it very interesting of course recently i had an experience of one of this kind of things during my mini surgery or whatever to say in ga and it was very nice to go through that surgery because it was a beautiful experience of mother's love and after coming out of the surgery when uh, i came out and there were people around and they asked me how are you feeling i didn't hear the question but i just asked tell me something on savitri and um, immediately after that before somebody could say i said all can be done if the god touch is there so the doctor asked me but how's your pain <laughs> so that reminded me of a pain so i said no no but you know doctor thank you so much you gave me a very lovely trip a beautiful experience thank you so much so it was not for the other things he had done but simply because under the anesthesia it was one of the most beautiful experiences that i was i was having and of course there is a very quick resolution of symptoms so this is one of the ways also that the higher consciousness acts that sometimes it and many things it removes from the system as if they get crystallized into uh, this this time very concretely i could experience it that there are things in the consciousness which get crystallized in the form of whatever maybe a stone they are like stones inside which manifest the resistances 
and suddenly they are taken out as if a big burden one was carrying is removed so it's very interesting how this higher consciousness can work upon the physical body it's only just the open door it's not easy it calls for endurance and will but a day will come when it will be quite natural so it will be a day when all this will happen very very naturally and normally naturally what was established hangs on tight and defends itself desperately so again and again these suggestions doubts come into the mind that no 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 nothing has changed it's all the same old world but it's not true that's the cause of this whole trouble then she speaks about a gesture in the earth atmosphere but it has lost the battle it's over it's over so we should not worry about all these events happening all around because they are part of the strategy part of the unearthing the covers have been removed the layers removed and what is below which was hidden is coming to the surface it has taken this consciousness a little more than a year to win this victory naturally as yet it is visible only to those who have the inner vision but it is done it's 1970 after which the mother speaks about a new body and a transformed body the vision of her own body then someone asks see how different is divine vision from our human way of looking at it but mother i have the feeling india is the symbol of the world's battle which we see is going on what is happening in jnu is not just many uh, thoughts ideas forces many kinds of conflicting positions they have suddenly been cast into a furnace for being purifying purified or rejected once for all and the new consciousness cannot be established in the world so long as india has not regained her unity this is the role of india to be a supporting base to hold this new consciousness and solve the old, as shubhendra said solve the old problems that have vexed humanity so far but in a new way so we are not allowed to fall back on the old ways of solving it but to discover the new way that's a fascinating journey of course for everyone involved mother said yes it's not possible unless india regains unity so again the disciple says it's obvious that india is the symbol of the new world in formation so india must be one symbolically in order for the new world to see the light of the day and the mother again says yes so the disciple now puts the counter poser consequently pakistan has to disappear we ultimately go back to pakistan you know <laughs> we can't see beyond and the mother says but of course but of course it's not possible you know unless india regains a unity so the disciple says there there is no doubt about that so this must be the time mother says but they have already missed one chance 1971 the mother has said india is fighting for truth and must continue to fight till the triumph of truth and indian forces we know had gone right up to karachi but something happened and we retreat retreat back so that was a lost chance lost opportunity the disciple says yes they've already missed one chance but now they shouldn't miss this one mother says but india herself is divided so even within there is division which we are seeing now disciple says divided 
and mother gives a very interesting example yes in orissa for example very interesting a large part of orissa is entirely under shirobindo's influence and another part is in revolt very interesting to see this at least it was an eye opener for me i always thought that in orissa everybody is turned towards mother and shirobindo but there seems to be like a focal conflict going on and of course in india also we see india herself is divided it is serious such an ardent faith would be needed you see the force is so active lies that have gone on for years are become becoming visible here too now she speaks about the ashram context the mixture is everywhere and we can see this what happened in the university that lies which have gone on for years decades academics freedom intellectual ideas but behind it there was a subversive agenda and that suddenly gets exposed that have gone on for years they get exposed such a such a force of truth would be needed you know a force that would be great enough to overcome all that one may wonder mother why don't you send that force mother was delaying it holding it and i'm sure she is still holding back in her compassion because it would be devastating she said that my child i saw once a tremendous force coming out of me like first time she said like kali destroying everything and it took me time to contain it because it would have been devastating when shubindu was asked that last time you told us that the over mind respects the freedom of the individual does it mean that the super mind will no more respect this freedom shubindu says of course i do mean that do you mean that he says yes i do mean that super mind will respect nothing else but truth it's a truth consciousness it's not going to respect all we may say nice words good things <laughs> but it is an action of truth without which love and ananda cannot establish themselves says very categorically it will respect only truth and nothing else wherever there is truth there will be safety that's why she gave the mantra to india supreme lord eternal truth let us obey thee alone and live according to truth truth will save truth is refuge truth in thoughts truth in feelings truth in sensations truth in actions for me victory is certain but i don't know if it's tomorrow or gesture at a distance so we are all fighting a winning battle or rather a battle which has already been won in consciousness i don't know what road we will take to get there because this road depends a lot on our own adhesion that's why she is saying i don't know because she will go in whatever road humanity goes she has decided to win the victory and the divine gives the this much allowance so she will take that route so what route it will take whether series of cataclysms and catastrophes or a swifter ascension that is left hanging and it very much depends on our individual positions so she says that that it depends the route that humanity will take we don't have to worry about others but our individual position that's what they don't understand we must cling cling 
so tightly to the truth that nothing can touch us. This is also a sign of truth. In fact, the mother says that if you are really on the path of truth, then you don't care for public opinions. If you are caring for public opinions, then there is something wrong. There is a mixture of falsehood. It's something which is hiding behind, which doesn't show itself. It's posturing. Even regarding what we read about yesterday, last week, about the great leader, Shubindu says there is much posturing in him, which he could foresee and see through. Hitler, so much posturing that he cared for public opinion. He had a big propaganda machinery which presented to the outside world. There is a whole movie on that. That he would invite the journalist to come and visit. And what he would do is that when they would visit, he had a whole section of propaganda. There he would show some Jews playing music, having a good time and everybody living happily together. So people who went, the journalists who came, they were deceived. They thought, ah, so nice, he is treating everyone so well. And right past the back door, in the backyard, there was the gas chamber. So this is how these forces were posturing. Of course, this is at a massive level. But at an individual level also, human beings do that, trying to show, pose. So, But she says, this is not safe. If you are really connected to truth, then nothing can touch. It always comes back to the same thing. And what is truth? She has explained it earlier. It's not my viewpoint or somebody else's viewpoint. <laughs> she says always everybody believes they, their opinion is truth. Truth is we love the Lord. There is no other truth. It's as simple as that. And that's very difficult. It's very easy to define truth, put it into a neat fixed formula. But truth is nothing else but the will of the Lord. And here she says it always comes back to the same thing. What you will, Lord, what you will. But that has become formidable. What you will, Lord, what you will. So I think with these thoughts we close. There will be a break for two weeks because of various classes and events. And we'll meet sometime uh, probably in the second week of March. 8th March perhaps but